0: Good afternoon, and welcome to Safe Inside. These are conversations about school safety. Today we have a, a, a continue- of a very specific and and very important topic. Last episode, we spoke in in some detail about what we thought was coming with the response to the coronavirus and, and its now declaration as a global pandemic and what we have also seen in response in our school communities across the nation, but specifically in the state of Alabama. So as of last Friday, the governor in cooperation with the Alabama Public Department of Public Health and the Alabama State Department of Education has issued guidance for all schools to be closed for 2 weeks so as part of that 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 effort to Work towards social distancing and aid in containing the virus. We wanted to continue some of our work to help the schools plan for all types of bi- biological hazards, but in in in, in very specific case with COVID-19, the coronavirus. So as, as as part of that effort, one of the things that we've done is we have started to provide some, some resources, but also some very specific structured directories inside the application uh, in particular inside the platform where we can help our schools have a structured plan now this is not mandatory I want to make sure that I I state that clearly all of the resources and all of the efforts that we are putting forth in inside right now these are just simply our collective research and efforts to try to help our schools and our communities plan Mm -hmm. but It is not a mandatory, it's not required by the Department of Education in the state of Alabama. It is... In a reflection of the guidance that's been provided by the U.S. Department of Education and the CDC, all the materials that we cover will will have some definitive sourcing like that and, and recommendations and guidelines on that. But I I just have to add that disclaimer to the beginning of this conversation. So specifically what I want to kind of guide people through is, is we're going to talk about two topics today. So Prancy and I are going to talk about specific what is now available in the inside school safety platform so first and foremost what you will see in the platform is if you go to the documents area of the platform for your individual school and or district you'll see a new directory structure there that directory structure is is biological hazards planning and so within the the or excuse me the, the top level is called public health planning and the sub level of that is called biological hazards planning and then in addition to that kind of running parallel is an additional directory called COVID 19 resources so what we're doing is we are providing you one the biological hazards planning directory to organize any of your materials that you may already have uh, for for your school or district's response to biological hazards. But in addition to that, we are providing all of the guidance documents that we have found that are specifically relevant to this situation and to our schools. <laughs> so that structure will be out there and we'll also within it provides you a directory structure below the biological planning, biological hazards planning that reflects the capabilities of the the overall plan structure that the the CDC and Health and Human Services U.S. Health and Human Services have released in cooperation with RIMS and the U.S. Department of Education that report again and we discussed it last time is the public health emergency preparedness and response capabilities it's national standards for state local tribal and territorial public health so what they've done is they've put this together for our school but also for local governments and state governments to give them a very very concise structure what you should have organized and what you should have in your plans so specifically you'll see below that biological hazards planning, you'll see 15 directories. And those 15 directories are the quote-unquote capabilities. So within the, the plan, the way they organize their structure is, initially they refer to them as capabilities. And below each capability is a function. And what belongs to the functions are tasks. Task and possibly like resources Mm -hmm. okay so that is the the architecture of this planning process so what we wanted to be able to do is at least break it up into the segments that would help you to be able to do a basic planning process so sounds confusing
1: well it's not you know it's not mass uh, massively different than what you're the schools are used to doing you know we're already making a plan for a number of other type incidents or issues that we may have to deal with right and from you know probably the most uh, over the last few years the most concerning folks we've been working on and folks are still working on these are your actor shooter plans yeah but you have a fire response plan you have a severe weather plan and each of those are this is really not outside of those basic guidelines and concepts it's just to matter as Uh, drilling it down specifically for this issue and it gives you some very good guidance if you will to put you in the right direction an outline to work off of and with these you know they're not meant to be drill all the way down and give you every line right yeah it's just an outline that gets you to where the things that you need to think about the different categories here that we're looking at for those capabilities that you need to consider reference this issue and There's no better time right now than even while the school's out, Uh, if we're going to uh, Paul's school like we have, it does not mean that this is not going to rotate up again or there's going to be things here that you're going to... If you would go through this outline, you're going to find things that we can be doing currently and or you're going to need over the next few weeks and months, depending on where we're at with this situation. Yeah.
0: And uh, you may remember specifically in our last episode, I made the comment that this process was going to expose some holes in plans. Absolutely. And and we have found that to be a resounding yes. And so in an effort to help you begin to execute this planning process, we are going to be distributing a preparedness assessment. So specifically around biological hazards planning. And it's a short little questionnaire that is designed to prompt you on the areas that you are strong in and the areas that you are weak in. So I would really encourage as we distribute this via email. We'll also put a link within inside inside the application structure there that you can access it. This is private, confidential. It is intended for your use to help guide you. And what you'll be presented with at the conclusion of that assessment is a short little report that says, okay, this is this is your strength some weaknesses. And so the intent there is to help you identify the capabilities, the folders in the biological hazards planning area that you really need to look into a little bit more.
1: So this is something we're going to push out to you as a tool for you to do, if you will, a self-assessment. But, you know, don't look at the, this is not some test. No. This is not meant to be anything critical of the situation you currently are in. There's nobody going to be looking at this from the department nope. or us or anyone else in the sense to say, oh, man, look at all these things they're doing wrong. That's not what this is about. Yep. This is simply a tool for you to help you assess some things maybe you hadn't even thought about that uh, hadn't been talked about yet. You really want to think about them. Yep. And uh, so this is going to, tr- to help guide you in the right direction, really want to encourage everyone out there to at least uh, your safety coordinator. Your 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 nursing team, get that team together, involved in this, and work on this as a group. Even you know I, I, we're going to have some. You know, I know I'm not talking about getting our group of fifty together. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> because we're doing our social distancing. Yes, but but as you're starting to work on this, communicate with those people about the pieces of this you need. Uh, for the assessment Uh, call up that school nurse where are we at with these things Mm -hmm. you may have to reach out
0: to some outside resources yeah Uh, and and i'll interject this real quick too this this was intended part of this particular tool was intended to help support with remote learning and remote classwork mm -hmm. but specifically the the company that 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 has the product called zoom for conferencing they have lifted their free tiers 40 minute limit which is what it used to cut off at so if you are a school or a district you can go sign up for that and it's unlimited users and they're letting you have all you can eat with it and what was that again it's called, called zoom out. so okay. zoom.us is the url and we'll definitely share that but they announced that the other day in an effort to support people but the reason i say that is yeah we can't get our large groups together anymore and maybe you don't even get that small group together anymore mm-hmm. that is a tool that would allow you to execute your planning collaboratively yes. and have a web conference or online meeting where you can share your screens and do things like that to help facilitate going through this process, yes. even if we're sitting at home.
1: Yes. If you've got a, using the Zoom, if you've got a staff member that if they've just got basic internet service, they can get on their laptop, they can they can join that. And or if they just have a cell phone, yeah, they can dial into this with their cell phone service and get the audio there, you know they wouldn't be able to view the documents and things as easily yeah. but at the same time you could definitely share the information and collaborate with them about um, what you're trying to do yeah. as you go through this
0: yeah and a lot of folks just don't have access to conference calling in right. any kind of large capacity more than a three-way call or something this provides you the ability of 10 15 people or two you know yeah. it's, it's, it's up to you but that's another that's another tool that of course we'll list all these resources on the podcast and we'll also describe some of the other ways we're listing resources uh, to come but we wanted to kind of introduce this process and what we are putting in place as a structure to everyone to let them know that we are continuing work on this so you begin with your documents area in inside and then you look at this planning structure and you see the 15 different capabilities and you take your assessment to tell you which one you need to be focusing on and use it just to organize and put all of your plans and policies together and so let's talk a little bit about each one of these capabilities rapid-fire we'll, we'll, we'll move through them but the first capability is community preparedness so specifically we're talking about when we when we say community preparedness it's you know coordinating with partners strengthening different community partnerships between school and department of public health for instance and that goes
1: right back to not trying to do this alone you you cannot build no one out there that i know of in in, in school administration is an expert in emergency planning yeah You're not meant to be, but there are lots of people around you in every community who have uh, some background in this and will be a huge help to you, or they at least have their specific piece. So build those partnerships, and that's what this is really about.
0: Yeah. And the second capability is community recovery. So identify and monitor community recovery needs. So we're actively in this pandemic event. So next, we need to be really thinking about that. What are the impacts that we can predict a little bit that are going to come out of this to help our communities and our schools recover? And, and even beyond that, we may be seeing, but if we're not documenting the things that we identify that are problems mm-hmm. while this event's going on, we can't mitigate them for future incidents. Right. So document and try to capture things that are happening right now that is part of your community's recovery as part of your ability to be resilient is to identify and monitor
1: mm-hmm. you know we're going to talk about a little bit later and with about the those secondary traumas that may come from this that are going to be post Incident, And we understand that when we've talked about active shooter, for instance, or a fire of those recovery things, those resources we may need for follow up to rebuild from where we're at. This is no different with this incident. We're going to have some things in our recovery that we need to start thinking about now and that's what that section is really about
0: yeah and next is capability three is our emergency operations coordination well that that kind of talks about all the things that we're doing but specifically the first function is talking about doing a preliminary assessment that's the assessment that we are going to basically provide you with it is an assessment to help you kind of say okay this is what i have and this is what i don't have and you may already have a lot of your resources deployed in this response you may already have a lot of uh, your personnel or your policies being actively used but what we want to do still is capture as much information as we can now so that we can help in the future as well not just with what we're dealing with at the moment but what may come next and
1: you know an important part in that I understand we're already in the mix of this Okay, we're already in the, if you will, executing our plan that we're still, because of some situations people are in here, developing a plan that's already operational. And with that, though, as, as quickly as we can do that and assess where we're at, look at those resources, it's going to help us to finish this thing strong, yes. if you will, yes. by saying where we're we at resources, where we've we been short, where do we need to start gear, gearing up on that resource side
0: to finish this out. Yes. Capability is our emergency public information and warning. So what are we doing to have a consistent, regular, dependable, authorized, messaging mm. what are you using what are the tools what is your process what is your policies
1: and that's to say I hope that all of you have begun to see begun to see how important your mass notification system is to you on the local level you know we've, we've talked a lot over the last few months about inside notify and the, the the statewide concept there of taking those local messages and making sure they get up to the state level But on a local level, if you're not already, hopefully you're looking at this portion here and saying, how are we using our mass notification, our other resources that we have to get information to our staff, our students, the public? Yes. And it is this is a you talk about a real world operation to get some exercise you know practice with it yeah. and some of us out here different school systems are already used to using their mass notification they're sending for all types of things all the time sure but right if you're not doing that already I really want to encourage you to just take a look at that right now. What could you be using your mass notification for to help you get information out? Just an example that popped in my mind, I know that while school's out here, we're going to have to be providing some children some meals. Yes. And the governor and uh, the Department of Health has authorized us to keep those cafeterias open to be able to start doing some deliveries. Use those mass notification tools that you have, Blackboard, Messenger, Schoolcast. Yes. what we're talking about, to get information out to your students and to the parents about where those pickup spots are, when the times are, what kind of meals you're going to be providing. Just think about how much you could use that right now for from school to school. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of districts have told me they just use their mass notification to push out a message for the whole district. Yeah. But how important can this be now if you've got them grouped down to the point where you can send to Westside Elementary? Exactly the schedule that the parents there need to know about those pickups yes. uh, versus everyone in the system hearing that. And that's what they were designed for. So let's look at this in the plan. How are we utilizing it? How can we utilize it? And let's start putting it into play right now.
0: Yeah. And this is also the opportunity for you to consider your social media channels because the, the thing about our mass notification, we need to leverage it for what it is. It is our official mechanism of distribution our message. That's right. But we also need the ability to receive information from our community, from our parents in particular, in, 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 in the school's context. And so do you have a mechanism of receiving information as well? To, that, could, that could you know, definitely change the way we are doing some things. Yeah. So we need to be able to take that into consideration as well. So think about when you're Put it. You put up a, a Facebook post from your school.
1: Uh, it's more about you know basic information out there, knowledge, but then direct them to provide you feedback Correct. that you can then take and put out official information over that mass notification. Yes. Because you're gonna. In other words, we're doing uh, curb and go type, you know, stop and go type pickups at our schools. Mm-hmm you're going to see on their specific groups that then will begin to respond. Yes. What do we do at such and such elementary? What do we do at the high school? What do I do for my special needs? They're going to ask those specific questions that you can then use to develop your specific messaging, and use that mass notification then and direct them to it. We will provide you more information here. Yes. Which is the mass notification, and send them to your school cast. Mm -hmm. Send them to Blackboard for that specific official
0: message. Correct, correct. And make sure someone is monitoring and watching that as well, because we need to be able to respond to our, our, our community members and be responsive. Yes. Next in our capabilities is a, is a very difficult one, and this one obviously is more directed at public health, but it is something that we have to be conscientious of, especially at the community level and then up to the state level. And capability number five is fatality management. So when we're talking about fatality management, we're, we're talking about the, the role that our public health agency plays in managing fatalities that maybe or, sh- or, or, or or are determined to be related to the epidemic or mm-hmm. the pandemic
1: yes and I, you know even in some of our other plans planning situations sometimes we can get kind of hung up on this wonder you know <laughs> creating our own morgue and those kind of concepts sure. but it's really more here about back up to that number one which was those community preparedness the partnerships correct so it's about the really in this more talking about what are what is our communication for instance to keep a track of those community or statewide fatalities, where they're happening, why they're happening, those kind of things that may be informational to back to your public.
0: And and lastly in this particular capability is the ability to identify and route the survivors of a fatality, family members, to the appropriate mental health and behavioral health services as well. And again, that's a partnership issue. We're not saying that the school is responsible for that. But if the school has a parent or a child in their community that that passes away, that impacts that community greatly mm-hmm. and we need to be able to provision those services and direct those survivors to those services absolutely so as we kind of move through this process again it's it's intended very much to help us think about a lot of things that are difficult but that we have to have to prepare for to make sure that we are taking into consideration the realities of of this current situation but also planning for better ways to manage things in in future situations and and so that's that's that was a difficult one that's a hard one to talk about hard one to plan for but we have to understand that we have to rely on our partnerships and allow the people that are trained for those jobs to manage and help with those jobs and the next is Uh, a capability that is really where inside can ideally help you the most, uh, or maybe not the most, but one of our strengths and one of the things that I hope that we have the opportunity to support our schools, and we're so willing to do, and we're we're, we're listening and we're reaching out, and, and part of what we're doing today is an element of this, and that is uh, information sharing. So capability number six is information sharing. Making sure that, one, you have identified your stakeholders, and two, that you have identified the information that you need to be distributing to those stakeholders and have developed guidance standards and systems for that. And so inside is a ideal place for the distribution of this information. You can record your information here about everything that's going on in this pandemic situation it's secure it's private but it allows you to have the partners and stakeholders that you need to be able to access that information without concern about you know it it being released or or distributed in a way that that is not appropriate and so really want to encourage you to leverage the platform for that type of use as well we tend to consider it a lot of times just record keeping, but it is also about record sharing. And if you have any questions about how to leverage Inside more effectively in this capacity, I'd encourage you to reach out to us. You can email us at helpinside.io. If you are in the platform, execute a live chat. And we, of course, are always available to jump online and do, for instance, a Zoom meeting and, and walk people through processes. The next capability. Is mass care. So what we're talking about there again is not necessarily something that is specific to the school, but it's about leveraging your partnerships. So when we're when we're specifically saying mass care operations, that's a public health role. That's a behavioral and mental health role. But what we need our schools to participate in is monitoring their population. Mm-hmm and reporting or sharing Information that is needed to those public health agencies, to those behavioral and mental health agencies. Absolutely. And uh, and I
1: understand it'll be a little bit more difficult to do this for you when school is out, when we're closures right now. But this was very important when we still have school in or when we go back to school in the sense of doing a good job of monitoring those that are at the absentees, things like that, and making sure that we've got good communication communications as a practical example here with your health care providers that are out there. One of the biggest dangers, especially to our local rural hospitals, is to become overwhelmed with the number of patients. Even when we, uh, you know, we may not think about it as, you know, something that would happen right away, but it is very, very, some of these hospitals may only have 10 or less beds. Yeah, yeah. Let alone an intensive care unit. Mm-hmm. And so if you have just uh, an uptick in just four, five, six patients. So they need to anticipate that all that they can and to begin to build up their resources and and the things that they need to do to prepare themselves. So anything that we can do that gives them indicators about how quick that curb if you will is coming up. And that's the very reason why we've got school out right now is to try to spread that curve out, to stretch it out to where that we do not have such a peak that we overwhelm our local resources. Yes. and our schools are a huge, huge help in us, if you will, gauging where that's at. I mean, if there's anywhere that's going to be an incubator, if you will, and an indicator yeah. of how quick that curve is going up is our students, the school. you know. And, and I know this particular incident is affecting our older population more than young, but if we start seeing massive absentees among the youth, I assure you it is spreading quicker to the older as well because yeah. they're around their grandchildren, children and so again it's just another uh partner sharing is what we're talking about here
0: yeah and and can't emphasize this enough our public schools are one of the key gathering areas for our communities our public schools are where we really have the ability to understand what's going on in our community population and and so if those absenteeisms increase, if, if you know that that information can help your public health department and your health care system immensely yes. in understanding what they need to prepare for. And, and not just students, but among your staff as exactly, well. Exactly, exactly. And we don't do a good job generally of sharing that information, we may record it. But we don't necessarily share it. And right now is the time. Right now is the time. So be sure you're considering those partnerships and who needs to know that information. The next capability uh, is capability number eight is our medical countermeasure dispensing and administration. So we're specifically talking about dispensing strategies here, who is receiving medical assistance, and what targeted population need to be focused on and again reporting the adverse events that occur in that dispensing so when we you know again we're not specifically talking about a role that the school is executing but it is a population that the the school is serving absolutely and so if they see for instance children or parents or staff that have been treated and are coming back to school when we get back in session or before an event happens and we have to take you know step back and realize this this process is intended as a planning process prior to event we happen to be in the middle of one but we want to always consider our planning process is intended to be before the event because Because we always want to have some effect on prevention as well. So during the event, which is now, if we see any adverse effects of treatment to the populations... We have to be able to communicate that again to our health system, to our public health departments so that they can understand again. And all of this leads to the appropriate allocation of resources and making sure, like Prancy was saying, that the peak of this pandemic does not overwhelm our health system and put us into a much, much worse situation. Totally agree. So capability number nine is medical material management and distribution. So specifically, we were talking about the countermeasures before. So that's kind of like the medicine or the treatments. Now we're talking about medical material. This can be all kinds of things. When we get into medical materials, we're literally talking about, you know, the, the normal the normal supplies effectively that you use in medical processes mm-hmm. and, and that's going to range I mean, to a million different things but the appropriate distribution of those could be really critical because again limited resources and now we're starting to see limited business access which is going to mean you know disruptions in, in supply chains and all of this is about making sure that we don't overwhelm our systems. So we wanna think ahead and make sure that our planning at the school level is even appropriate. Do your nurses, your school nurses, have the appropriate materials available to them? Mask, gloves, disinfectants, all of these basic materials that are gonna be critical, especially if you are having to dispose more and more and more of them because the protocols that are required during an infectious disease event like this.
1: Mm-hmm. And you know again, unfortunately, we're already in the middle of this, that you're a lot of folks are trying to make this. We would hope that in our planning process that we put triggers in here, when these things start happening, then we reach out to even resources that we've preset. Uh, maybe a contract or a, an MOU, a memorandum of understanding, with with some company in the community that would supply these things as you have that ramp up. So we're hopefully hopefully some of those things and those triggers are already there for you. I assure you that some of those things have been done in the community level. So even if this is something that you you would say, well, that ship has sailed for us, mm-hmm. we can't necessarily get those masks or those things that we need now. Reach out to those community partners again. Because you may be surprised at what a ramp up they had those triggers built in the county, the city's plan, and have made some of those arrangements that will help
0: you absolutely
1: absolutely uh, and and there's independent resources there as well, like uh, Red cross so forth, those outside entities that do have some of those uh, procedures in place and anticipate that there will be organizations who haven 't
0: yes, yeah, y- you know, and especially the national and global. Entities like Red Cross, Red Cross, they they of course are going to have a have a broader reach and have a different view of the distribution of resources because of the size and, and the area that they cover. That also leads to capability number ten, which is the medical surge. So what we're talking about there is part of the reason, and, and I'll take a step back. Part of the reason that schools are dismissed right now. Is because we want to practice social distancing. The intent of social distancing is, like Pronty had said, is to. It's not a cure. It is simply a mechanism to distribute across a larger or timeline the 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 overall growth of infection and so if we do that what we're doing is we're making sure that that peak in infection is not approached rapidly in a surge that then effectively overwhelms our ability to deal with it,
1: mm-hmm. and that's what's very you know most critical incidents we think about have some very quick ramp up and that we have to anticipate for. And a pandemic is no different than that. We're, once we realize that it's happening, it, sometimes we're really behind that ramp up already. And we probably are here. Yeah. So, And we've seen that, we can document and show that from other countries that have seen this already, and you know, other states around us who are seeing this happen. So with us looking at what's happening in Washington State or in New York, we should right now be thinking about that surge that's coming and try to, if you will, distribute that weight or that impact that is going to be over time. Some of our biggest hospitals have a, a maximum that they can handle in any given time. And so the idea would be that even though we know this is coming, is that we're able to fill that hospital and get those people well and going out the other side before mm-hmm. the new wave comes in. Yes. The only way to do that is to spread us out. To slow down that curb of infection, that's jumping from person to person to person. Yeah. So let's work together to help each other with that. And and that goes back to your messaging again, the communications, that information sharing. What are you putting out there? Are we getting the right message out? Because obviously, when we see some social media things and people see think, believe we're overreacting, or you know have some negativity about it in that sense, they're still they're still gathering yeah. places. Yeah. Uh, the kids are out of school, but they're all going going to the local hangout, whether it be a skating rink or some place like that, that they're getting together. That tells us that people are still not getting the information that they need about why we're doing this. Yeah. And so that we've got to be a part of that. And there's no better place to help share good information than our schools right now.
0: Yes. Yeah. You know, study after study has been done about the impact messaging can have when you deliver it appropriately to the children who then deliver it appropriately to the parents the impact is amazing because people may be resistant from friend to friend or from government to citizen or whatever but when their children deliver a message it comes through Mm -hmm. And so that's a huge role that our schools play in that capacity as well, which leads us very well to one that is absolutely directly involved in our schools. A lot of these are partners. A lot of these are other things that we need to be involved with maybe tangentially. But this is specifically within our schools. So as we talk about capability number 11, non-pharmaceutical interventions, NPI. This is is the number one way and there are multiple different activities or tasks functions that can be leveraged here but non-pharmaceutical interventions is the number one way that RIMS U.S. Department of Education Health and Human Services and the CDC say that we can have an impact and there is an enormous amount of research or or, or resources out there about this. What we are doing right now, social dis- distancing, is a MPI. And so this is, this, is, uh, th- this is one of the ways that our schools can have a massive impact in their community by engaging in different factors or practices to help slow or even eliminate the transmission of disease in a non in, in a non-medical or you know even you- in medicine or other way. Mm-hmm. Uh, these are activities that you can do that you can have a massive impact with. And as part of MPIs, part of that is education. It's about distributing materials that communicate again the message of what we're doing and why we're doing it.
1: Yes. You know and, and it's part of that messaging, you know, it's so important right now that um, you know there's a lot of uh, your teachers those administrators and what we're doing whether you think so or not the teachers the students have a lot of respect for that and they're looking for stability they're looking for that that steady hand if you will this is why we're doing it that clear and concise messaging about what's happening not the panic not the fear but the the why yes. the logical reasons like we're talking about today that we need to do these things and those are are huge, are going to have huge impact, uh, positively or negatively, about how we handle that and the messaging that's out there. So we really want to encourage you, as part of your plan, is to make sure that we've got that steady-handed informational type approach to this, that that doesn't scare people, at the same time educates them about what we need to be doing and how quickly we need to be doing it and how seriously that yes. we need to take these things
0: and what we'll do as an assistance to our schools and districts The, the capabilities and functions and tasks, which is the way this this planning process is structured, the ones that have a you know an immediate effect but also a direct ask of our schools, we'll make sure that those are emphasized and, and, and attention is drawn to them within our planning structure to let you know again where you can have the most impact and the areas that you really need to be paying attention to. And I I have to say this, out of all the capabilities that we've discussed thus far, if you focus almost exclusively on capability number four, emergency public information and warning and capability number 11, non-pharmaceutical interventions or MPIs you'll have a massive impact on your community.
1: Yes. And seeing as how we're already into this, <laughs> those are the things probably right now we need to be the best at. Yes.
0: Yeah. Definitely. And and, and you know as we step through these next steps, you'll see again these are heavily re- you know relying on partners and other things. And and we'll we'll direct you to resources that are going to be simplified and 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 Really emphasize the elements that are directly required or needed from our schools and from our education community and we're going to talk about that very much so in the the next part of this this uh, discussion but right now on the capability 12 capability 12's public health laboratory testing so again we're not asking the schools to be doing this but you know how does someone actually get a test
1: just relaying the communication to them again about what's the process you feel sick you're seeing the symptoms what should you do and we've heard multiple times that because of some of the ramp up of getting test kits to our public health officials to the hospitals locally those type things that we've had to have uh, some protocols in place and i know our, our state health officers talked multiple times about this scott harris saying that <clears throat> that you need to you know direct po- folks to their local physician whenever possible Mm -hmm. allow them to make a recommendation based upon their screening that they're going to do because those doctors have gotten a specific screening that their techniques they're looking for specific things to elevate that person to whether they need to be screened or whether they're diagnosed with something else that they can already treat and to to help us categorize and if you will prioritize those things so again this is about a partnership there when we think about those laboratory testing, again, back to you, it's more about what is your role in getting them there. And a lot of times it's just informational.
0: Yeah. Yeah. If if someone has has come to you, a staff member for instance, and, and is presenting with any kind of symptoms, one of the things that you can do to help drive this particular capability is ensure that they are going to see their physician who In turn is going to be responsible for reporting this information especially if they were confirmed to have the coronavirus reporting this information to the public health departments which again is going to inform their processes and help distribute resources accordingly so your role is simply to make sure that you are encouraging your staff your students your parents to
1: think about off-start of you right there somewhere because when you move that there we go Sound back no. oh, there, there. Right there. flipping the switch
0: yeah. <clears> okay <throat> and I'm gonna kind of count back into that grace okay and right. three two one. So, again, you are responsible or your role effectively is to make sure that you're encouraging those, you know, your staff, your your your, your students, your, the parents of those students to make sure that they're seeing their physician to get that information reported appropriately so that resources can be distributed as needed. And so that's a really key part of it. Now, obviously, again, all of these things are partnership based, but there's a role to be played. And if you have a plan and a policy, then you understand and communicate what that role is supposed to be. So with the next capability, we see more of the same here. So Capability 13 is Public Health Surveillance and Epidemiological Investigation. Again, that is just passing along the information that is needed. But you have to have that partnership in order to be able to do it.
1: That's right. And think about that even in your plan the way it's written out. It may be as simple as who or what entity you are communicating with at that given time. Because these things kind of ebb and flow during a specific incident as well just like we just talked about in the previous they may have a specific protocol they want us to do right now. That could change a week from now. Uh, it may be more about directing people to local private labs for drive through testing. So, those messaging could change. So, as far as your plan goes here, when you get to these capabilities, a lot of these are just about spelling out where are you going to get the information, what entities are you going to talk to, are we going to and that we're going to listen to their guidance
0: yeah. based upon the timeline. Yeah, having those conversations, you know, and one of the things may be is that all of this, like Frances said, is very, very time dependent. Well, uh, you know, in the fall when we start school, the public health departments may not really care if you're reporting your absenteeism, but when they designate that the flu season has effectively began, that may be really important for them. And definitely when we are in an event like what we're in right now, that protocol may change day to day to day. So those conversations become critical. Absolutely. It's a very very fluid situation to
1: say the least. Especially now that we're already um, in the incident itself. It's a lot like that tornado has hit us. The building, you know, part of the building's collapsed. Now you know, so we can have some specific things written about what we think we're going to do but it's sort of, you know, like old Mike Tyson said when you get hit, everybody has a plan until you get hit in the face. That's it. Right? That's and it. then you begin to move into operate based upon what you're seeing what you're uh, what's happening at the moment. And so that's these in your planning side of this, a lot of these are vague enough to just to give you some options and to direct you so that you can at least know where to go to get the right answer. Yes.
0: The next capability number 14 is responder safety and health. So specifically what we're talking about there is training. Mm-hmm. So are your staff members trained to be able to know what preventions or precautions they should be taking in order to protect themselves so that they can provide the greatest service? The State Department of Education has training that they call standard precautions training and is available via their website we will provide all of those resources as well on um, in in inside within the documents area and in the resources that we provide there but we'll also provide that in in what we're going to cover next next is a global kind of resources page that we've set up specifically around this pandemic but specifically what we want People to understand there is again you have to have some forethought into uh-huh. this, uh-huh. Um, and there is a specific training program available to you to execute.
1: Absolutely, and depending on what uh, it's it's really about the training on the planning process itself and that coordination that it's going to take that will work really with any response you're trying to do. Yeah, yeah, and we want to try to help you to, to provide that for you we can.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Lastly, capability 15 is volunteer management. One of the things that I think we had even alluded to some in our last episode was volunteer management within the context of making sure that resources are being distributed to, you know, members of our school community that may rely on those, you know, the the, the nutritional needs, mm-hmm. the, the food via the cafeteria, meals that, that are provided in that capacity. But there's also the elements of not only, you know, having that open and available, but also potentially having people to work it in, uh, you know, how, how, how much you are opening that to the community, having volunteers assist with that, having volunteers potentially assist with delivering that to houses and, you know, other materials and things that could be in, 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 in significant need. If, if you have sections of your school population that are, you know, in poverty effectively, that, that have very limited resources, they have definitive needs that that may not be getting met during times where we're doing social distancing or isolation.
1: Mm -hmm. And I want to think about, you know, you're going to have groups that are coming to you right now, private entities, churches, all sorts of individual volunteers who want to be a help, sincerely want to help, like with getting the food delivered to, you know, to people and those kind of things. All right. Just think about all the other things that you have going on here that you're concerned about. It may be, uh, one of the hardest tasks may be simply management of those volunteers, right? It's coordination of all those efforts. Because, you know, I remember uh, back in uh, 2011, we had this tornadoes, and in our little community, you have people just flood in there wanting to be a help, right? Yeah. And they've got chainsaws, they've got Mm -hmm. tools and things, but unless there's an effort to really organize them and to send them to specific needs that you have, so a huge part of the, is just coordinating those volunteer efforts, yes. and you need a plan even with that. In other words, who's going to become the focal point? Who's going to help me to organize where I need these people? You know, because one thing to put out a schedule and say, "Yeah, we got a bunch of people here to help," mm-hmm. but it's going to be a lot more intense, a lot more labor-intensive, and to develop that final plan and to execute it. Yeah, and so you, this is a very critical capability here is volunteer management because yes. you're going to have you know you may have a shortage of volunteers but what could also very likely happen is that you have too many volunteers mm-hmm. if you don't have a way to manage them and coordinate that and it's that this is huge huge thing to think about right here. Yeah. How do we get the volunteers and how do we coordinate the number of volunteers we end up having come? Yeah, yeah.
0: and it could be the difference in effectiveness or chaos yes. so that's that's a critical element. Element. So that is a very quick ca- uh, review or overview of the 15 capabilities that will be spelled out again in the Public Health Emergency Preparedness and Response Capabilities Planning document. That structure will be reflected in the documents area in the inside platform. And uh, you, if you have any questions, as always, please don't hesitate to jump on live chat with us. We'll be glad to discuss it with you in detail, help you pull together your resources more than anything what we're trying to do is provide you a place to have some Structure and organization. A lot of these plans and elements you may already have, but we want to provide you a place to see it all and share it. And so that's what this is about. And so if you have any questions or any concerns about that process, please let us know. Please be on the lookout for the assessment that will be coming. We're sending that out to every school. It doesn't matter if you answer it multiple times. Things like that. It's not. That's not the. Not problem, what we're intending to do is simply provide you guidance to uh, assess your strengths and weaknesses so that you can organize your documents, templates, and other information policies, etc., and get those to the people that need them. So next on our agenda for this episode is a, a really large effort that we have started to try to specifically weed through the enormous amount of information that our schools are and, and honestly everyone is being inundated with right now what we've done is we've set up a page a public page on our public website that is called school pandemic resources the intent is that our experts Our personnel review all this material that's coming in to us from multiple channels just like it is from you for you and review all the materials that are available from our federal agencies our state agencies and attempt to extract just the critical pieces to either summarize that for you in a way that's as easy as possible to digest, or to extract it and present it to you quickly and easily, and where you have a central catalog that is searchable to look for these resources and understand what's going on in our schools in the state of Alabama. So right now we have this structure broken out into six major sections and you can find our our resources page at inside.io slash resources you can also link to it from going to inside.io in your web browser and clicking on the school pandemic resources across the top when you get in that section of the site you'll see current news planning, guidance, and checklists, communication, and public outreach, cleaning and disinfection, education materials, and frequently asked questions. What we have done here is, again, we are extracting resources from the State Department of Education. We're extracting resources and information from the State Department of Public Health. We are extracting information from some of our local news agencies that are doing some good work in cataloging uh, school closures or early sclo- closures or other activities that are, that are being closed, events, other things, and making sure that that's all consolidated in a single place. We are taking the planning guidance and checklists and taking those and extracting them into uh, a single place for you, bringing it together all of this information is sourced in reference to its original source and and what we're attempting to do again is just provide you a simple Easy to access location to navigate through and get the best extraction curated collection of information possible.
1: And there's some good stuff on here for your staff, for your that are out there, the public in general. So we want to encourage you to share this with all of them, links to it on your social media and so forth. It's just a good summation of all, you know, right now we're just all overwhelmed with so many different things and pieces of information. Is coming. And so, it, but if you're interested in something reverent to schools and how this affects our schools in the state of Alabama, that's what we're trying to funnel to this one particular location for you on the inside platform. So, just want to encourage you to take a look at each one of these. I think you'll find these very useful for you and help you
0: to filter out some of the other noise, hopefully. Yeah. And, again, we'll continue with this process, and we'll advertise this section very intensively on, obviously, this podcast, but all of our other media channels, social media, et cetera, to try to bring people's attention to it. Again, as bronze said, please do share. Uh, we're trying to get this information out just simply because it is so much to try to comb through. Uh, We have a team of people combing through this and and pulling it together, and it's difficult for us. So as an individual school administrator, it's got to be a nightmare. And so we just really want to try to make this process, just like in all the things that we do for our schools, try to make it as simple and painless as possible and bring the information that you need most to the top.
1: Completely agree. And uh, so we'll just encourage you again to go there, take a look at that, and we'll continue to be a help to you. If there is something you see out there, it's a resource you think would be good for uh, teachers to know, for your staff to know, for you yourself, that you want in one place, if we can help get it on this site as a resource for you, reach out to us.
0: Yeah. We have a specific email address set up exactly for that purpose. If you will email us at resources at inside.io you find a piece of information that really is you know important to share with our alabama schools and community maybe even outside of Alabama but specifically in that area that could have a significant impact in how uh, decisions are made or, or help folks know where resources are whatever that may be please share that with us we'll get it on the page and, and we'll try to again synthesize all this material to the my most digestible form so with that I think that's uh, gonna be all that we're gonna cover for this particular episode uh, I hope that it was was helpful to you. I know there's going to be a lot of questions that come out of this. I would again encourage you always anytime you have any issue email us at help at inside.o jump online on the platform and initiate a chat. We're here to help you and we'll be glad to do whatever we possibly can to help us all navigate this very difficult time. We are here to support our schools. We do this for reasons besides it's business this is something that every person here genuinely believes in and we want to help so if we can be of help to you please let us know anything else completely
1: agree steve we just wanted we do want to be a help and it's a trying time out there right now a lot going on None of these checklists or anything we're doing is to try to bring any sort of criticism or shine a light on somebody who thinks that they're behind in this process. But We're in this together. Yes. And uh, we would hope that the folks out there would see us as a partner in that. And uh, please allow us to be a help to you if you can. If there's some way that we can bring a resource to you,
0: don't hesitate. Yes. Next is an interview with Anna Watts. Anna is a school safety specialist who focuses on mental health. She is also a member of the Alabama School Safety Task Force and a certified youth mental, mental health trainer. So if, uh, if you have any questions with anything dealing with Anna, uh, with Anna Watts' uh, material, please let us know. We'll be talking extensively with her in the next segment. Here today with Anna Watts. She is a school safety specialist, and specifically, she works with all our schools, several different ones, on mental health issues. She's a certified youth mental health trainer. Her current role right now is contractual with the State Department of Education. But we have known Anna for a while and have had the pleasure of working with her on the School Safety Task Force in Alabama for, for a long time. So, Prancy and I had the opportunity to let Anna join us today and help us with an issue that is related to our current situation with the coronavirus, but it is kind of, you know, a, a secondary trauma potentially that's out there yeah. and and something that's potentially been overlooked a lot. And so we wanted to, to take the opportunity to speak with Anna and get some suggestions and and some guidance and really just kind of talk about the issue and and pull together some resources that we will be publishing, of course, with this podcast to help our schools and to help your parents and, and others out there to be conscious of this potential problem. Specifically, what we're referring to is the impact of being separated from the general population, your friends, other things for the kids, and and also for parents. The social distancing, obviously, within the context of epidemiology has a significant role to play, but the potential for secondary trauma from that isolation is something that we need to be conscious of. So, Anna, if you would just kind of introduce us a little bit to the topic and some of the concerns around this this homebound disconnection and and some of the things that we could we could do
2: okay thanks for allowing me to join you today and I, i appreciate this opportunity to hopefully give some information that will be helpful as students are becoming Homebound. As, as schools are closing, we may begin to see some increase in anxiety, depression, um, post-traumatic stress disorder, trauma, or any other underlying issues that might be there either behaviorally or from a mental health aspect. So while those conditions may be treated when students are in school, they may be able to see their therapist regularly. As we see things beginning to close and services being limited, we may be faced with those uh, children being at home and not being able to connect with either therapist or counselor or um, service provider, whoever that might be. So... What we we want to do is we want to encourage parents or the adult caregivers that our children are with to make sure that we keep their lives as normal as possible during this time of social isolation. Making sure that we talk to children and explain there are some things going on and we want to encourage safe practices, hand washing, keeping our distance from, from others, that sort of thing. But we also want to encourage our children to talk about things that might be bothering them. We want to make sure that we keep their minds focused good and positive things so that they're resilient and able to bounce back from what they may view as a trauma or as something that's not common, it's hard for kids to understand why they can't get out and go do things as usual. So conversing with them and and having activities and a schedule for their day, you know, it's okay to get out in the yard and play, but we don't want to be around others. We don't want to go to those places where children congregate and viruses or illnesses are spread. So, Maybe having them to read, having good discussions, art activities, lots of activities online that they might could do to keep them focused. But we want to, we want parents to be aware that they may see anxiety that they've not seen before. They may see kids begin to withdraw and, and because they don't understand what's going on. So we we'll, we'll want to make sure that we're addressing those things and that we as adults are resilient as well.
0: Yeah. Well, and, and you know, uh, speaking, and this is definitely not my area of expertise in any capacity, but, Francie, you know, the one of the things that comes to mind, I guess, is kind of common sense to us, but I can see where if we're not managing our conversations as the adults, well, mm-hmm. uh, in particular, we could really kind of, you know, exacerbate this issue. You know, it, it, the the news, for instance, the news is uh-huh. is intended to inform, right? But a lot of times, you know, maybe the the actual danger is it's it's a little bit out of proportion i mean Francie, i know you and i have talked about this extensively so
1: mm-hmm. well you know this is not you know we're talking about students primarily here but even for our our teachers and administrators and things that you know we're we're all used to a very uh, if you will routine right? we've all got our routine our things that we are used to doing, getting up every morning, going to school this time of year. Uh, whether it's part of your, whether you're there as a student or whether you're there as a staff member, and any kind of disruption to that a lot of times can create some anxiety. And and then on top of that, there's while we're trying to inform. Try to make sure that people have good information, it is very difficult to do that in these certain circumstances without raising a certain amount of anxiety or fear, as you will. And so, I'm glad that we've got the opportunity to talk with Anna today about this as a professional that can just kind of lead us in the right direction to advise people. But because this is something that may not have crossed our minds at all, and so for even I think even for those teachers and things, we're seeing some social media posts and things from them, you know, with, you know, one direction or the other here, yeah, whether they're yeah. thinking that this is an overreaction or whether they're really believing that we should have done this two weeks ago. You know, so you have different extremes. Either way, those things create um, more anxiety for everyone than is normal, just because we're getting out of that normal routine. And so I think it's very important that we do talk about these as we talk as secondary trauma. And so appreciate Anna being with us today. And it's at least opening the, the concept to people's minds that uh, while, you know, yes, we want to stay as normal as possible, but we're going to have to make some, I think, some conscious efforts to, to do those things. Yeah. Keep
0: us in a normal state of mind. Well, and I, I read, and I read an article. And, you know, we're just getting inundated with material right now, and and that's part of why you know at, here at Inside, we we have put together our our school pandemic resources page to try to filter through a lot of the, the enormous amount of information that's coming out to our schools. But one of the things that I read was a, a Article and I was reading it for a personal reason. You know, I was reading and New York Times parenting section it was talking about talking to your kids about this pandemic and how to be very conscious of the language that you're using. And even being conscious of what they overhear you talking about and how to communicate with your kids in an informative and and candid and honest way, but not oversharing, really giving them too much information or giving your opinions necessarily so much keeping it factual and, and keeping it you know to to a, in a calm and, and, and comforting way as much as possible but I, I well, wonder if you could you know if you had any advice for parents and and you know even teachers
2: well I think one is you, you've got to be honest but you can't be brutally honest so you need to make sure that when you're explaining things to your children that obviously it's at a level that their minds can can comprehend and understand you're not going to talk to a teenager the same way you would talk to a 5 year old but at the same time they do have to be it has to be explained to them that this is serious that we need to take this seriously and that we need to wash our hands we need to, and you, you, I don't care how old they are, we need to have the conversations as to why. Why are we washing our hands? We want to make sure that we, we're we always washing our hands. Why do we need social distancing? Because people may be sick and we don't realize they're sick. You know, if, you, if the child has got an underlying condition, which... They can look in the CDC and see what those uh, CDC information and see that those are outlined as a child who might have asthma, diabetes, uh, epilepsy, other conditions that they've listed. You know, it's vitally important that we keep we we let that child know, you know, we're, we're being extra cautious, you know, because you have asthma, we want to make sure you're not exposed to anything, then we don't want to scare them, but we want them to understand that this is, this is something that the doctors are recommending. A lot of times with children, you have to... Make sure that they understand this is what their doctor wants you to do. You know, I've spoken to your pediatrician and this is what he or she has recommended. Or I've spoken to the to our family doctor and this is what they're recommending. Now, again, being honest and just making sure that they understand that... This, is getting, this affects people differently. You know, the coronavirus uh, might make one person really ill and the other person may have mild symptoms. So that's something that you're going to want to talk with an older child, I think, um, more in depth about than a younger child. But one of the things that you and Pronti both spoke about was... Adult conversations should remain adult conversations, and you need to have those at a time where your children can't overhear you because what you're talking about um, may be a lot more than what you want to talk about with your child. The conversations you're having about, for instance, financial strains or work. You may have parents who cannot be off from work. So, you know, this is, you've got to show your child that you're very worried about this. But at the same time, you know, you and, your, you and the other adults in your household are having those conversations. So how are you going to talk about mom and dad both still having to go to work, but this is so serious. I had to be out of school. How are you going to have that conversation with them and thinking about what that's going to sound like? And then who are you leaving your children with and what are they talking about with your children? I think you both talked about the news. I would, I would encourage parents to limit that as much as possible because it, while it's informing us there's a lot there that we may want to filter as parents going out to our kids and i know it's impossible to limit all of it but just be very careful with that um, because i think that can lead to distress and anxiety and maybe uncertainty and the way that children process that information and also social media while your younger children obviously should not have access to that social media just from a standpoint of they're not supposed to have those accounts and I know that they do but um, making sure they're not seeing those kinds of negative posts or where people are sharing their opinions. Everyone's entitled to their opinion but having an opinion is different than it being factual information and that's what I would encourage parents to do is Make sure that what you're discussing with your child is factual, not just an opinion, and that, uh, you know, it, it's not it's not always healthy from a standpoint to talk about everything in front of your child. So just limiting those conversations. I, I realize that parents need to vent and that this is a stressful situation for them as well. But don't use your child as that outlet because that can add an Unsurmountable stress and
1: pressure to them. You know, it it seems to me, and this again, kind of falling back on my experiences as a law enforcement officer, you know, obviously, officers deal with some very stressful situations and have to constantly talk about being able to see those incidents that they may come upon that are very traumatizing, very unusual moment yet go right back to another call you know shift gears if you will right and Mm -hmm. you know this is even harder for children i think it's got to be now but the key is you know kids i think are looking for stability and they need the stability even through these stressful times we all do but even more so i think that's probably something to emphasize to our parents here to the the teachers who remain in contact with their students to some extent through the school closures is that they need to still feel a sense of control, that normalcy that they would, you know, have and because they're going to understand less about this situation than anybody else, whether we isolate them or whether they uh, start reading things that are out there and trying to figure it out on their own. So I think the key is this for, I would think for us to stay is, Steady and as normal as possible, even through these times that may be very concerning, you know, because they just have, you know, all of us as we get older have more life experiences, if you will, and we become more and more resilient and easier to bounce back, if you will, from things, you know. Oh, well, I faced out when I was in my 20s, right now, in my 50s. You know, it didn't say it was a big deal mm-hmm. when I was in high school to face some of the things that happened then. And I look back and I've heard people say many times, oh boy, if I knew what I know now, <laughs> then, right? Yeah. Well, now just think about it. that's hard enough just with normal, you know, the social activities that we have, you know, getting to know each other and things over time. But now you throw something in like we've got going here with our with this pandemic and the confusion about that where even us as adults have not faced this before and so i think it's very important that when you talk about to to not minimize the effects of this secondary trauma you're talking about and us try to maintain as much stability as we can for those who are not used to facing the trauma that some of us have faced and just you know even if you will it's just an assurance that you sure. The old, this too will pass. Yeah. Absolutely. And because uh, we're, you know, we're going to get through this. It's just in the meantime, what do we need to do to get
0: there? Uh, and I think that gives right. us opportunity to, to, and I, I know you and I have spoke about some resources specifically that we can share with our audience, teachers, administrators, parents mm-hmm. that you know, need to be top of mind. Some of those, of course, include the Suicide Hotline, other things. Could you could you elaborate on some of those? And all of these resources that Anna's about to describe, we will, of course, include on the podcast uh, link. So you'll have all those materials available. And we'll also include them uh, in our school resources section of the website here at Inside. But Anna, could you give uh, some details on a few of those that uh, you think are important?
2: The first one I would just talk about would be the National Council of Behavioral Health, and that's an organization. That can give you resources on how to deal with youth issues, deal with adult issues. There are lots of good just blogs on there that are uh, available for you to read. They do have some COVID-19 information that they've started putting out that just supports what the CDC and the World Health Organization is also putting out, but it does kind of address more of the mental health aspect of that. And then you've got SAMHSA that's going to be a government resource that also will deal with the mental health and well-being. You're going to have a link for the Alabama Department of Mental Health. And that's going to help you find some resources that might also address those individuals who are intellectually disabled and how you might go about addressing some of these concerns with those, those individuals who are of lower functioning, but it's also going to give you some resources in your local communities if you need some help. And then our United Way 211 Connects that's a, a site where you can search by county if you're looking for particular mental health resources or other support. And we, when we talk about mental health, we talk about adults, especially those who may be uh, without a paycheck temporarily or may need assistance with food or other things, which can cause a great deal of stress in the home and with the family and lead to anxiety and depression. That will be a resource for parents to be able or caregivers to be able to find food, help with utilities, those kinds of things during this time, but also would be able to connect you with mental health resources if if, if the need arises. Okay. Uh, and I would be and also I'm gonna provide you with a list of our three ten boards for each of the counties. So that would be your public mental health. If all else fails, if private providers being closed or whatever, they would have resources to contact their appropriate county mental health board.
0: Excellent. Well, thank you so much, Anna. We really appreciate you taking time to share all this information.
2: Oh, thank you. And uh, I wish everyone a safe and healthy um, during this time and if everybody will just do whatever what's being recommended by I think the department of mental department of public health and everything and stay safe I think we'll we'll get through this just fine we just need to have a positive outlook on it
0: absolutely and lastly just to kind of close on this um, I, I just want to recommend and, and, and remind everybody you know that as we work our way as a community through these issues keep in mind of course that the pandemic of course has physiological impacts. We understand that it has health impacts. There also has psychological impacts. And we want to be very conscious and aware of that uh, in ourselves and ar- those around us. And be sure that if, if you know of someone who does struggle with mental health, uh, mental illness, that, that you're especially attentive and, and aware. And if 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 that individual or or someone you know needs help, then you reach out. Don't don't try to tackle these problems alone. We will provide extensive resources on this. All that all the ones that Anna recommended and and described, and we'll be sure to uh, distribute those accordingly, both on our website and the social media. So. <laughs> Thank you again for listening to these important conversations. We really appreciate it. And a special thanks to Anna Watts. Thank you for listening to Safe Inside, a production of Inside Incorporated, the school safety platform.